0: would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful to be together this morning, to be here with you in this place. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll take the the reading of your word and and Lord, just the conversation about uh, what you've done in us in these past uh, several months, what you continue to do in us as a church and as a people. Lord, that you'll inspire us, you'll challenge us, you'll move us. Lord, that personally and as a church will become more united, more focused, more committed to your purposes. Lord, not, not just as a church, but as individuals chasing after you and your purpose in our lives. Lord, make yourself known to us in every way. Meet us where we are. At the point of our need, the Lord, reveal to us more deeply that ultimately our greatest need always, always is you. Thank you for every good thing. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you be seated? So we're doing a little bit different this morning um, because we have a communion, the Lord's Supper. Uh, set out here, and uh, we're going to come back to that, sing a couple of songs together uh, here in a few minutes, but uh, before we do that, I want to share with you some, uh, that was fun, <laughs> wanna sh- we've got computer sounds happening today that we don't normally have happening, it- hey, whoa, whatever it is, it's good, it's, it sounds happy, right, All right I'm going to try switching over to the left here, okay. see if we can do that, does that work? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? All All right, you know what? I'm just going to stick with this. Forget it. I'll actually talk about that in a minute. So I'm happy to be back. Can we go to scheme number two? That should get rid of the. There we go. Then it won't sound like I'm speaking to you from the heavens and that sort of thing. But I'm glad to be back with you. Uh, I missed a couple of weekends ago because Karen and I were off getting Chris uh, set up at college in Washington, and he's doing uh, well. We actually, I think you FaceTimed with him briefly this morning uh, with the worship team, which was cool. So we did that. We came back, and then I was, like, excited uh, to be back. And then if you weren't here and you didn't uh, get the inside scoop last Saturday... I was doing this uh, very uh, menial, very uh, time-intensive, very energy-intensive task at the house. Um, I was sitting on the kitchen floor wiping the front of the cabinets, <laughs> and then I couldn't get up. And I didn't have one of those little things I could I could punch, you know? Oh, I'm falling, um, but like I, I couldn't walk. I look, I'm old, er, now and uh, I had, looked, and the cabinets look great by the way <laughs> I just want to say Karen came home later and I'm like on the couch like Ugh, you know all bound up and, and I said go look at those cabinets because <laughs> you know you got to make sure you get the points uh, for the things that you do because that's how it works in a marriage um, Is that right? <laughs> you tell me I don't know <laughs> Believe me, she'll tell me later. Uh, woo, I'm on fire today. Um, but no, you know, I, I, look, I, I don't spend a lot of time on the floor because getting back up from the floor is difficult now, much more so than it used to be. So I was just down there working, and it was fine. I had my headphones on. I'm listening to podcasts. It was cool. It was good. And then I got all the way around to the last cabinet in that set that I was doing, and I did my typical thing where I roll over, and I don't try to just bounce up because I can't do that anymore. And, man, it just didn't happen. Uh, but that's, like, maybe the third time in 25 years I've missed church for a reason other than, like, not than being out of town or something. Um, I mean, I missed one Sunday because my son was born, uh, the first one, you know, and I felt that was important to stay at the hospital for that. Um, which was funny because it was at Faith Baptist Church where Karen and I were serving many years ago. And it was actually the first Sunday I had been invited to preach. Um, <laughs> And I had to call uh, about 4 o'clock Sunday morning and say, yeah, this is probably not going to happen. Anyway, so I missed being here. I'm glad to be back this past week. uh, So I had the whole back issue thing. I literally laid in bed uh, from Saturday afternoon all the way through Sunday night and into Monday uh, morning. And it felt better. And it is getting better. Uh, Thank you for your prayer. And people have asked. And I appreciate that. Monday, I headed out to the valley to uh, attend... The 73rd Annual Alaska Baptist Convention. If you don't know, we are a Southern Baptist affiliated uh, church. Uh, One of the reasons that we do that is because we love uh, what Southern Baptists do for missions around the world. Uh, And and we'll talk about that actually in this next month. We'll be our state missions offering emphasis, along with some other things where every dollar that you give to that offering, and then at Christmas time, we'll do an international missions offering. At Easter time, we do a North American missions offering emphasis. This is so cool. Every single dollar you give to those missions goes directly into the hands of people on the ground in Alaska or around the country, uh, in Canada, or around the globe who are doing uh, missions work on the ground. There's no uh, administrative cost taken off of that. It just goes straight into their hands to do ministry. So we love that. And then also, as Southern Baptist churches, we are, we are autonomous churches. Nobody tells us how to be or what to do or what to think and all that kind of stuff. So it's good. So I went for that. And you know, a couple of years ago, I shared with you that they'd asked me to serve as one of the vice presidents of the convention, and which I thought was amusing, um, because <laughs> we're kind of not like the other Southern Baptist churches in a lot of ways. Um, and we're kind of, you know, we're kind of that little rebellious group that punches around and asks questions and says, do we have to do things that way, you know? Um, And so the result of that is this past week I was elected as president of the Alaska Baptist (laughs) Convention. So um, that's how that works. (laughs) But it's going to be an exciting time. And what that means is that uh, uh, the folks who were there at the convention uh, have, have watched what we've been doing, they've watched what I've been doing, I've been involved in a lot of... Uh, committees and and things like that, trying to trying to cast a new vision for ministry in Alaska to kind of get away from some of the old ways necessarily of doing things. And, and I see Joe and Holly over here. Our director, Randy Covington, has been uh, interfacing with Jim Stanberg, who's the director of Send uh, North, which they are missionaries for, and with Arctic Barnabas, which I know you guys are familiar with, and some other uh, like organizations. One of the things that sort of held back, I think, the successful sharing of the gospel all across Alaska is we have these groups that are so segmented and they're not really working together. And our executive director, Randy Covington, has brought a vision to be more cooperative with like-minded groups, and he's been pursuing that. And that was something that a couple of years ago, that's why I started to get back involved in I was like, I dig this. I like this. This makes sense to me. And so uh, actually we presented at this meeting a proposal for the largest structural and organizational change that's ever happened to the Alaska Baptist Convention, and the group approved us to move forward with that and begin to investigate how to do that, and so I'm going to be part of that process, and that's exciting to me. Uh, We have over 150 uh, Southern Baptist churches in the state of Alaska, and uh, I'll get to uh, help lead that and work with that, and so I'm blessed by that. I'm blessed that you have always been uh, supportive of the time that I spend doing other things uh, that are meaningful to the kingdom of God. So um, there you go. Thank you for that. So uh, we did that. Uh, We touched at uh, the convention. We also always talk about Birchwood Behavioral Health, uh, which last uh, week, uh, two weeks ago, right, at the Serve This City uh, Sunday, uh, many of you came together, and you see the care kits on the back table here. Those are homeless care kits that you can take, put in your car, and take those and hand those to uh, someone out on the street that you see. And what we, here's what we do. You might th- you know, you think, well, how do I do that? How does that work? Here's what we ask you to do. Take one of those kits, put it in your car, and as you're driving around, look, you and I both know, you drive all over town, you see people everywhere, right? You could fill your car front to back with homeless care kits and just toss them out the window, but that's not what we're after. What we're after is you go out, you drive around, and as you're driving and you see people, I want you to intentionally, meaningful, meaningfully Ask the Lord, is this a person I should minister to? And seek the voice, the movement of the spirit within you to say yes or no. And if the spirit within you says yes, don't just drive up and stick your arm out the window and say, have a good day. Pull off, find a parking spot, walk over, hand it to them, look in their face, ask if you can pray with them, and you never know what might happen from there, right? Trust the Lord. He will lead you to the right opportunities, but I hope that you'll do that. So take those with you, but you guys also gathered together. You put together uh, winter gear kits and some other things for our friends at Birchwood Behavioral Health, the students that are there uh, going through the program right now, and I know a bunch of you went up and cut down limbs and trees and, and things like that, and I love that you did that. It's fantastic. Next month, when we talk about the state missions offering, that's one of the places where the money that you give to State Missions goes is straight to Birchwood Behavioral Health. So you already have a connection there and you know what that's about and that's a good thing. So we're going to talk a little, in a little bit, Jim's going to tell us about the Operation Christmas Child boxes. There's 90 boxes here, um, only, there's 90 only because they didn't have 10 more at the store. Uh, they were going for 100, they made it to 90. That's awesome, that's exciting. All right, so that's all good stuff that's happening. Here's what I want to do. I've got three pages of notes. Don't let that frighten you, even though it sort of frightens me. Um, Most of it's just things I just didn't want to forget, but I'm going to go through some things really fast. I want to take us back through this past year and touch a couple of things even that started before this past year, but they're coming to a culmination here. All right, so uh, you might remember that uh, earlier this year we had our series at the beginning of the year, The Absent God, where we talked about how sometimes it just feels like God isn't there. If you uh, go to our website, go to the podcast, I think you can find those. We're beginning to get caught back up because we switched to a new service, but we're beginning to get caught back up on some things that are historical that you can go back to, and that was a great time. We followed that up with a a Sunday series called God Never Said That, Uh, those quaint little phrases that sometimes people throw out, you know, God helps those who help themselves, not in the Bible, Um, stuff like that. and, and we preached through that series and talked about, well, what God, what does God really say about some of these uh, things that we encounter in life? And, and what does he tell us about? Who does God help? Um, I can't remember some of the other ones. If you can remember one, throw it out there. There were some other ones that were really good. But it was a great series. And then we followed that up with our Super Summer One Hour Sundays, right? Uh, we just really have wrapped those up. We had committed to one hour services for the summer and we're trying to stay with that. We might go over a little bit today because we got communion at the end, but we've been trying to stick with that because very intentionally we're looking forward to the time as God continues to grow Christ Community Church that we might need to move to two services and we need to be mindful of people's times and coming and going and crossing in the parking lot and all that kind of stuff. So we're disciplining ourselves as a staff to try and uh, be mindful of that and to be good stewards of your time and the time of the people who may be coming with us. But what was cool about that was this: when we did that, this super summer one-hour Sundays, we got to hear from these different voices within this community right here and some other friends. And so one of those was Scott Kirby from GraceWorks. He's actually the one that kicked it off for us, came and told us about the ministry of GraceWorks and what they do and how they function, and that was setting the stage for our partnership with them this past summer, right? And then we had Paul Haas and Morgan Stratton uh, Karen Simmons, uh, Tom Shelley, Diane Williams, Carrie Knupp, and uh, then uh, we have always these other voices. In fact, last week you guys got to hear from Joe Greeson. heard that was fantastic. I haven't had a chance to go back and uh, see it and listen to it yet, but I've heard many great comments. And we have other voices that speak to us from uh, time to time uh, Don Ashley, Don Rabb and other people. We're really blessed here to have people who are willing and able to stand in this place and just share with you truth from, from the word. And I don't know about you, but that summer series with all of those different people was really one of my favorite things of this past year. I really enjoyed that a lot. Uh, and then this past year, we've had our life groups continuing. Uh, this is a big component for Christ Community Church and one that we continue to try and advance. Uh, it's great that we have this Sunday morning. We talk about those series that we had, you know, the preaching series, and and we do worship together. Uh, we We have clung to this form of meeting because we see its example in, in scripture, we see its example in history, and we understand that when it comes to uh, worship and teaching the word and having people on the same page kind of going forward with, with mission and vision, this is really the only environment in which we can do that, right? But this is not where you become a disciple. This is not where the hard work of figuring out what it means for you to follow Christ and what does the Bible say. We can give you pictures and ideas and thoughts, but really discipleship happens in personal one-on-one conversational community. Uh, it's, we see the example of Jesus. When he called his disciples, they watched him stand on the hillside and preach to the people, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. That that sermon on the mount, and they saw him do that many other times, address the people, but then they spent quality time together, conversationally, talking about the kingdom of God, and that's the intended purpose of life groups, and uh, you know, we've got a few home groups, Uh, we've also got student ministry, children's ministry, worship team, uh, the men's breakfast meets together, the ladies Bible study, there's the Ashley home group, there's the worship team meeting together. Uh, Pastors have kind of a small group that meets on Wednesday mornings over coffee. The EKG group, uh, Jim and Jan are leading that. They're the ones who uh, spearheaded the the care kits and are, are doing the Operation Christmas Child for us. And prayerfully, we would like to see more of those on the way. It's always been something where we never feel like we have quite enough life groups and we never feel like we have quite enough people involved in life groups. And yet, across the board, those who are involved in life groups say it's one of the most important things that happens in the course of their week because they grow in Christ. They grow in relationship with the people that they're meeting with. And so be looking for that on the horizon. We've got a couple of people that we're talking to about some other ideas, and that might be something that you could plug into if you were interested. Oh, we've got the Canup life group, right? You guys are starting back up this week? Yep. Today. Yep. Cool. All right really kind of focused towards families with kids, you know, that kind of stuff. You don't have to be, but there are going to be kids there. I'm just saying. Uh, So, you know. And then this past summer, uh, we partnered with GraceWorks. One of the most exciting things, again, for me that happened uh, in this past year. Uh, I'm not going to give you the whole rundown of GraceWorks because it would take too long. But in a nutshell... Uh, Scott Kirby has uh, developed this ministry over the past 11 years to bring mission teams from out of state and uh, started in, I think, in East Anchorage, expanded into some areas in the Valley where each week a new team would come and they would set up shop in local parks and feed kids lunch. Uh, hang out with them, play with them, teach them some Bible stories, and then once a week, host a big party in the park that the neighborhood was invited to come to. And this last summer, as most of you know, we welcomed GraceWorks into this place, and we became the hub, the jumping-off place for the the newest uh, location of GraceWorks Ministry for South Anchorage. And then we partnered with them over here at the little park up here off of Arlene. Uh, for the summer, and hung out with neighbors, and met people, and had parties, and it was a great time. It's a it's a well designed, well focused uh, ministry here in um, at C3K. Uh, out of this, we had somewhere around did we say 175, 180? 180, one about 180 people were housed in here over those eight weeks helping us and others go out into the parks in the community in South Anchorage to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people, to share food with people, to share fun with people, and to build relationships. And I am so thankful for those of you who were able to make it out to our park uh, <coughs> responsibilities this, this summer and meet people and talk with people. And uh, and it was really a great success. We're looking to do that again. Next year, it's already, uh, it's already going to expand um, I got an email from Scott a couple of weeks ago where next summer in East Anchorage, South Anchorage, the Valley, he's already 80% booked for next summer, at least. Uh, in fact, he's got teams that have come many times that haven't signed up yet, and he's been messaging them and saying, listen, if you guys are planning to come again, you better get your name in because we've got new people coming on board, new teams that want to come to Alaska. And the whole purpose there and what I hope we can really get a hold of next summer is that we want to be in our neighborhood. We're hoping to be at Chinook Elementary School next year. Would you pray for that? That God will open that door and let us be at Chinook Elementary School next year? Because there's tons of of housing around there, people that are kind of uh, marginalized, people that are on the edges, uh, lots of multi-unit family homes there. And, uh, and we want to be right there in the middle of that. But the goal is to connect people to the good news of Jesus Christ and hopefully become a church that they want to be a part of and that we can minister to them and begin to build that family in their community. Amen? So that's what we're looking for. I hope that you'll uh, think towards that. All right? So that, I mean, that was a huge thing. It was a, it was a big, not really a risk because God knew what he was doing, but it was a big undertaking to kick that off here in this location. Could somebody grab me a cup of water or something? Okay. That'd Trace be great. That Ooh. Oh, hey, look at that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else got the crud that's going around? Amen? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So then, We've done all that stuff. And then we talked to you a few weeks ago. We've got some lights up here that we put up a few weeks ago because our trust is in place. Uh, Nate LaVallee did uh, thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours of work to get our, our stuff running up there. This has been like a three-year project in the making, right? Um, we're going we're gonna to debut that next week. With, we're going to show you all the things that it uh, does, at least most of the things that it does, and talk to you a little bit about how we want to use that. But that uh, is a project that's been coming together that literally has been three years in the dreaming and the processing. Uh, something else that's going on, our, this microphone I'm using right here and all of the other ones that we use up here, uh, in, by 2020, they're, they're illegal. <laughs> ah, that's fun, right? Uh, by the year 2020, we can't use these anymore because they're on the wrong frequencies. The FCC uh, gave them away. They sold them to other people and said, you guys can't use them anymore. We can use them until then unless the cell company or the fire department or the police department starts using that frequency, and then what will happen will just stop working. Well, we've used this equipment for, has it been over 15 years, David? Have we had it that long? Like 20 years almost? Some of it. So we've gotten our use out of it. We can't complain about that. But to replace this is obviously very expensive. Um, but with the lighting system, when we presented that idea about wanting to be able to do some fine arts things here and maybe produce some shows and things like that. We had people who gave seed money. And then when we started talking about this problem, we had people who came along and said, I'll help you do that. We have private donors who have given for the sound gear right now somewhere around $15,000 designated to do that event because this is how we do what we do here. For this lighting project, we had um, private individuals who gave somewhere in the neighborhood of 5000 to $6,000 in donations. And then the Alaska Baptist Convention came along with a $3,000 grant to help us finish the stage and the lighting. Uh, the Alaska Baptist Convention also came along with a $9,000 grant to help us do this project. And I say all that to say that we have these ongoing and future projects related to infrastructure. Uh, we've got uh, GraceWorks teams coming that are probably going to be doing some remodeling in the kitchen. We're going to do some remodeling in here. We're hoping to get the floors done in the hallway. Um, We've got outside maintenance happening with Kim Garrison and her crew. The Alaska Baptist Convention, it wasn't just from the office, but other churches in the Alaska Baptist Convention gave us $4,300 this last year to seal and repair the parking lot. All right. Well, that's about half what we need, and we didn't get the project done, so I called them and I said, what do we do? They said, hang on to it. Just keep it. And let's run at it again next year, and we'll see if we can get it done. So right now, Jason is working on a proposal because we have a partnership with churches in Alabama who say, hey, we want to come to Alaska and help you. What can we help do? So we've got a proposal out there. We need a couple of teams to come and power wash the parking lot, clean out all the cracks, and then we need another team to come and take the sealant stuff and put it down and fill in the cracks and get it all spiffed up and paint some lines, and we're going to send that out. And I say all that to say, why are these people doing this? Why is the convention helping us? Why does GraceWorks want to come here and plant a new location? Because, listen, there's a lot of churches in town. And if you were to meet Scott and talk with you, you know, Scott's very driven. Scott Kirby from GraceWorks. He's very driven. He's very focused. He knows what he wants to do. And he's very protective of the ministry that God has built around him. But he trusted us to take that and start a new work here on his behalf. These other churches in our convention who are, who are like churches and, and who are kind of our brothers and sisters, they have responded to our call for grants and for monies towards projects when we cast the vision. And They said, we want to help you do that. We have private individuals who have come along with significant resources and said, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you need? Let me help you with that. Why are they doing that? I want you to just think about that. But why are we wanting to do those things? So let's talk about just a few things very quickly. Outside maintenance, look, we just got to be good stewards and it's got to be safe, right? So we just got to do that kind of stuff. Remodeling, people go, why, why are you spending money on remodeling? Um, well, it's a 30-plus-year-old church for one, and, and we're the only ones to ever do any remodeling in here. So some of it just needs to be done. Uh, but it will make more effective use of the space and expand our ability to serve you, the church, and to tr- serve teams, mission teams coming, and to serve the community. Um, why, do, why do we care about the sound stuff? Because we're so musically oriented, and this is what we do, and we got to be legal. If we're going to do it, we've got to be legal, right? But that will also poise us to host some other projects. Like, uh, I have a friend who's the, the best jazz pianist in the state of Alaska. He's fantastic. His name's Dan McElrath, the Dan Map Band. He's been wanting a place to do a jazz worship concert. Cool, right? We could host that. Uh, musicals, plays, shows, conferences. We want to we be a place where the community can come and utilize what we have to do what they do so that we can make connections. Um, Grace Works and C3AK will continue to work together to impact the community around us, and not just in our neighborhood, but because we're helping Grace Works, we're helping to impact communities all around the state. Right? So remember to pray for Chinook Elementary because that's where we want to be uh, next year. And then life groups. Listen, we can't afford to leave our walk with Christ at the altar. You know, at that decision point where we say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. Well, if we're going to say that, then we actually need to actually follow Jesus. Uh, we actually need to become disciples who are following. It's the hardest work of the church and the Christian to actually become disciples. I've said actually like ten times in the last four sentences. It's better than literally, right? That's liter- We literally need to become disciples of Christ. But we do. It's not enough to just say that we believe. If we're going to believe, we need to follow and become disciples. Life groups are a place where that can happen. And then this Sunday thing, we're going to continue to do that. Why? Because we're going to continue to teach the word of God as effectively as we can on Sundays, and we're going to sound good, and we're going to look good, and we're going to do good, because that's what we do. All right, so what are the challenges that come along with all of that stuff? People, we always need teachers for kids' world. We really need some people who want to invest in our students, in our youth ministry. God bless uh, Frank and Rhonda, who have been helping uh, Jason for for a long time now. But it's really just the three of them on a consistent basis. And if we're going to be effective in helping our young people as they transition from elementary school into junior high into high school, to transition into young people who are following after Christ... We got to do better at that. We need people who will work. Welcome team, tech team people, leaders who will disciple, people who want to lead life groups, people who want to be part of work teams, doing all of these things together. So a big challenge is people. Another big challenge is time, because there's only those 24 hours in a day. But if I can put my hands into something and you can put your hands into something, and if we get many hands committed to the work that we're trying to do, we can can beat the time challenge. What becomes frustrating and what becomes impossible to do, and you experience this in your own life, maybe in your job or in your family or in your house, is if you're trying to do it all alone, or if there's a small group trying to do a much too large job, there's never enough time in the day. And then the other challenge that we always face at Christ Community Church, and a lot of churches do, is money. And just to be practical, like I said, you know, uh, this last summer, because of the GraceWorks teams that were meeting here, uh, GraceWorks was able to to pay to us $9,000 this past summer to help us with our expenses, and then they paid for our utilities for June and July. That was a huge, huge gift to us because in practical terms, at the beginning of 2018, we started with a $10,000 hole from 2017. Well, there, God took care of that. So even though we started with a $10,000 hole, you and I, last November, approved a budget that planned for another $10,000 hole in 2018 because we said, we believe we're gonna grow. Well, another private donor came along this summer, and. Brought to us almost ten thousand dollars in a in just a direct donation that they said you can spend on whatever you need to spend it on. And So we spent it on bills. So there's the twenty thousand dollars, the ten thousand dollar that carried over from 2017, the ten thousand dollar hole that we planned for 2018. God came along and said, "Let me help you with that." And this has happened so many times in the history of Christ Community Church, I can't even begin to describe it. It's not that we 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 plan for God to bail us out of moments. It's just that we trust him. We make the best decision we can make going forward, and then we trust him to do whatever it is he's going to do. And then we have to be committed to be satisfied with whatever he does. Right? But God did that. It was awesome. Uh, That was $10,000 we were behind in 2017. Um, That was $10,000 that we were planning to be behind in 2018. And then our weekly budget is $3,400. Just the number that we have in the budget. You divide it by weeks it's thirty four hundred dollars a week in just regular offerings that we hope to receive in order to cover that and if you're new to us uh, you can get a copy of the budget anytime you'd like just ask me'd be happy to print it out for you um, there's no fluff in our budget it's utilities and mortgage and ministry and salaries and there's no wiggle in there we don't have like a we don't have one of those church budgets that maybe you've seen where there's fantastical numbers that Are not based in any kind of reality. We actually base like we're going to be working on next year's budget shortly. Next year's budget will be based on what actually happened in 2018. I know that's weird. It's a strange way to do things, but that's what we're going to do, right? I was being sarcastic in case you missed that. I know you can't read sarcastic font; doesn't show up. Um, So, our budget is 3,400 to date this year. Our average giving has been $3,100 a week. Now, you can do the math. And that's because some weeks are up and some weeks are down. Um, for instance, serve this city Sunday. Fantastic. We did the kits. We hung out. Uh, we had breakfast. We did the homeless care kits. We did the baskets. We did up at uh, Birchwood Behavioral Health. Our, but our, our giving on that Sunday was somewhere around $300. wah, wah, wah. September's weird because it's a five-Sunday month, and that always messes things up. But like, for instance, today, if we're going to make the payments that we need to make this week, we need at least $1,000, at least $1,000. I hate talking about money, but it's just a reality of where we are and what we're doing, and we're doing this collectively. And let me say, all in all, we're doing a pretty good job, and then God comes along and fills some things in for us. It's, it's amazing to see. I'm, I'm not despondent. I'm not getting down on you, but I always want to say this. If you're part of Christ Community Church and you are not giving something, you're not helping. It is a critical part of the church. If you want to come in here and the heat's on and the lights are working and the plumbing is functional, we got to pay the bills, all right? That's all it is. And at the end of the day, if we get to the end of any year at Christ Community Church, if we get to the end of any year and we say we have to make some cuts, the only thing we have to cut is staff salaries. There is nothing else in this universe where we can cut. Now, something that's on the horizon that I want to remind you about is 2019, before 2020 happens, this building will be paid off. Amen. That's $2,000 a month. Thank you, Jesus. Um, And I'm looking forward to that. So those are just the practicalities. But again, I want to remind you that We got a $9,000 grant from the Alaska Baptist Convention for sound gear. $4,300 from Alaska Baptist Convention for the parking lot. $9,000 from GraceWorks. $9,000 from a private donor for for bills. $15,000 from a private donor for the rest of the sound gear. And more later, if God blesses, they've committed to more if we need to do more. God is moving other people to invest in you in Christ Community Church. Are you investing in you? See, get this picture. There are other people all across the state, even people from out of state, who are looking at who we are and what we're doing, and they say, I want to be, I want to help that. That's amazing. And, and we're not talking about, uh, you know, a little help. Those, those are big helps right there. I, I, didn't, I didn't add the numbers up, but that's 30 grand. Are you investing in you? Do you see in us what they see? So I want to share with you this passage of scripture. And then we're going to sing together. And celebrate the Lord's Supper. Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Now Jesus is at dinner with what frankly appears to be some Well, they're religious guys. He says that he's at the, the Bible says that he's at the house of a Pharisee, a ruler of the Pharisees. These are the guys who are supposed to to know the scriptures backwards and forwards. Uh, One place Jesus says, you're supposed to be the guys who are ushering people into the kingdom of God. These leaders, these religious leaders. And so he's there and he's having this conversation. And he talks to them about, you know, don't, Don't exalt yourself. Like if you go to a dinner, don't take the place of honor. Because if the host comes in later and somebody more important than you comes in and he says, oh, by the way, I need you to move Barris down to this seat down here. You're going to be embarrassed. He says, instead, take the lowest seat of honor. Because then if the master of the house comes in and he sees you and he says, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Barris, I need you to sit up here over at this spot then everyone will see that the master has exalted you, right? And so he said to the man who had invited him, verse 12, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Who's doing their feet right there? So some of these you might identify with better. Uh, I always I always giggle a little bit, says don't invite your relatives um, to dinner. Some of you identify with that more than others. And here's why he says: he says, lest they invite you in return and you be repaid. It's like the, it's like the Seinfeld episode, Even Steven. Like where everybody's always trying to get even for what somebody else did. So, so don't he says, don't invite your friends, don't invite rich people because. Um, those people might have this feeling of, well, I don't want to be in debt to you, and so they'll invite you, and then you're all even, and then it just starts all over again, right? He says, instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, and you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And then it says in verse 15, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And if you look at the commentaries, what they say about this statement, because it's like, it it doesn't seem like a bad thing. Blessed will everybody be who eats bread in the kingdom of God, except that it was a phrase of the day that basically was like a conversation changer. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so how about the weather, you know? Right? Right? How about those bears? It was that kind of a comment. Like he wanted to, this was uncomfortable. This was, and it's because the people who were seated at this table were used to sitting in the seat of honor. They were used to inviting the rich and their relatives and people they were comfortable with. And they wanted to be repaid for what they did. And so this guy tries to change the conversation. And Jesus isn't having it. And so he circles right back in He gets right back at him and he says, uh, verse 16, But he said to him, 'A A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those that he had invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. All right, so the the man sets up this great banquet. The time has come. It's it's Friday night, 7 p.m., time for dinner. He sends his servant out. He's, like, looking at his watch, and and nobody's showing up. So he sends his servant out and says, Go remind everyone, perhaps they've forgotten, you know, that it's time to come and eat. And so the servant goes out, and he comes back, and he says, Every single person you invited gave me some excuse. Uh, They got a piece of land they need to go look at, um, that they... uh, have bought five oxen, and and they've got to get the, the yoke on there and examine them. Uh, another one says, uh, I've, I've got married. She won't let me come. I think that's what he's saying here. It says, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Or maybe he's just excited, you know. I'm just leave that right there because the kids are in with us today. Um, you know, i got to do my hair. Whatever. Well, not me. I, that's an excuse that people make sometimes. But they made all these excuses. And then in verse uh, 21 it says, Then the master of the house became angry. And said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste of my banquet now there's a big picture thing happening here where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and he's speaking of himself see uh, the Pharisees are representative the religious leaders are representative of those who had been invited to the feast before and then when the feast was set which means when Jesus showed up when the Messiah came they all looked around and said no no I'm not really interested in that he's not the right Messiah and they rejected him and he's pointing that out to them in this story and he said, so what the master's going to do is the master is not going to reset the table and hope that you guys are going to show up and say, well, maybe tomorrow the master's going to go and he's going to find people who want to come to the banquet. And so he's going to go out to the lame, the blind, the poor, and the crippled, the marginalized, the broken. And that was all those people who were outside of the religious world, who were outside the religious structure. In fact, that verse I referred to earlier where it said that Jesus said that you're supposed to be the guys who are ushering people into the kingdom of God. The next thing he said to them was, but instead you stand at the door and actively block people from coming in. And so they said, all right, we did that. We went out. We got the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled, and there's still room at the table. And he said, fine, go out into place Every road, run down every road, go out into the bushes on the side of the road, the highways and the hedges, every place you can think of, and compel them to come in because I want this house to be full. that was Jesus' picture of him coming to rescue all of us, inviting us into the kingdom of heaven. See, we're the poor. We're the lame. We're the broken. We're the crippled. And he invited us in. And many of us said, yes, yep, I'm I'm coming to the dinner. And we have placed ourselves at the seat and the table of the Lord. But ultimately, the Bible calls us to be a follower of Christ. In fact, he told us when he was leaving the earth, he said, go and do all of the things that I did. And if Jesus went out into the highways and the hedges and compelled people to come into the kingdom of God, to come into the dinner, this is one of the things that we should be doing today is going out into the highways and the hedges, into the, into the schools, into our neighborhoods, into our places of work, and compelling people to come into the kingdom of God. Ultimately, who is the servant? The servant is the one who does the will of the master. And in this case, the servant used to be somebody who was out there blind, and lame, crippled, and broken. But we've been invited into the house. And we have to ask ourselves who are we in this story? And if we consider ourselves to be among those who have come into the table, if we consider ourselves to be among those who are now the servants of the Most High God, what are we doing? Are you investing in you? Are you investing in your church? Are you investing in the kingdom of God by serving by working, by worshiping, by giving? Are you engaging with us on mission to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel the lost to come to Christ? If you happen to catch my newsletter article a couple of weeks ago, uh, I don't think there's any greater purpose for the believer on this earth Once they have become a follower of Christ, then to share what God has done for them through Jesus with those who are still lost. If we truly believe that our friends and neighbors are in peril for eternity of being separated from God because of their sin, it is imperative that we share with them that we have the solution and that the solution is faith only in Jesus Christ. So while others are investing in you in so many different ways, are you investing in you by being truly a follower of Christ? doing the things the servant would do. You're the only one who can answer that question. I can't answer it for you.